Before we come to Prime Minister's questions, I would like to point out that the British Sign Language Interpretation Proceedings is available to watch on the Parliament Live TV. We now come to Prime Minister's questions. Gareth Bacon. Number one, Mr Speaker. Minister. Mr Speaker, I can tell the House today that it is my intention to return on the first day after the half-term recess to present our strategy for living with COVID. Provided the current encouraging trends in the data continue, it is my expectation that we will be able to end the last domestic restrictions, including the legal requirement to self-isolate if you test positive, a full month early. Mr Speaker, Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr Speaker, the Northern Ireland Protocol has frustrated business is undermining the Belfast Agreement and is restricting the free movement of goods and people within our United Kingdom. What action will my right honourable friend, the Minister for the Union, now take to reunite the United Kingdom and uphold the interests of all residents, including those living in Northern Ireland? Prime Minister. My honourable friend is, is quite right, because the protocol does not require, uh, contrary to the way it is being applied by our friends, it does not require that all foods and all medicines and all uh, plants should be systematically checked in the way uh, that they are, Mr Speaker. And uh, we must fix it, and with goodwill and with common sense, I believe we can fix it, Mr Speaker. But if our friends uh, don't show the requisite common sense, then of course uh, we will trigger Article 60. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Was the Business Secretary right to say that fraud is not something that people experience in their day-to-day lives? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, of course this uh, Government and uh, this country uh, despises those who defraud people, and that's why we crack down on, on forces, uh, Mr. Speaker. And we've strengthened our anti-fraud task force, so we're bringing forward an economic crime bill, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but we also attach huge importance uh, to tackling neighbourhood crime and crimes of violence, Mr. Speaker. And I'm very pleased that those crimes are down 17%, Mr. Speaker. Mr Speaker, the, the Prime Minister's answer has got a big hole in it. We've had lockdowns for the last two years. Two crimes that people could commit were online fraud um, and throwing parties. And so far as I can see, the numbers for both of those have gone through the roof. But I was asking the Prime Minister about the 14,000 cases of fraud a day. Many older people duped out of hard-earned savings. And the Business Secretary casually suggests on TV don't worry, it's not real crime. There's a crime gang in, Min- in Manchester, Mr Speaker, nicking cars and shipping them around the world, all financed by Covid loans from the taxpayer. And what's the Chancellor's response? Write off £4 billion in losses and, and block an investigation by the National Crime Agency. His Cabinet turning a blind eye to scammers. Is it, is it any wonder that his anti-fraud minister realised no one in government seemed to care and threw in the towel. No, Mr Speaker, because what we're doing is tackling crime across the board. And that's why uh, we're investing more in in tackling fraud. 
uh, Mr. Speaker, but we're also tackling the neighbourhood crime that is of such massive psychological damage to people in this country, tackling knife crime, uh, tackling burglary, tackling crimes of violence in the street, Mr. Speaker, uh, with tougher sentences, which they voted against, by the way, Mr. Speaker. And putting more police out on the street, Mr. Speaker. And the reason we're able to afford it, Mr. Speaker, is because we have a strong economy and we're coming back strongly from COVID. And that is thanks to the big calls that this government got right. Mr. Speaker, his anti fraud minister quit, saying the failure of government to tackle fraud was so egregious that he had to, and this is his words, smash some crockery to get people to take notice. Well, it seems that the Prime Minister hasn't noticed the broken plates and the shattered glass all around him. It's almost as if he's been completely distracted for weeks. Talking of scams, households are going to have to fork out an extra £19 billion on their energy bills. The government is insulting people's intelligence by pretending it's giving them a discount. But it's not. It's a con. A buy-now-pay-later scheme. A dodgy loan, not a proper plan. Mr Speaker, he he shakes his head. So let me put this in language you might understand. When his donors give him cash to fund his lifestyle and tell him he has to pay it all back later, Are they giving him a loan or a discount? (laughs) Mr Speaker, our our plan plan to tackle the cost of living is faster, more efficient and more generous than anything uh, that they have set up. We've lifted, we've lifted the living wage by record amounts. Uh, we've, cut the, we've cut the effective tax for people on universal credit, Mr Speaker, and we're now setting out a fantastic plan to help people with the cost of energy, Mr Speaker. And, uh, and it, is, it is more generous and more effective than, more generous and more effective than anything Labour have set out. And the only reason we can do it's 9.1 billion pounds, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Speaker. It's huge sums that we're using to help people across the country. And the only reason we can afford it, Mr. Speaker, is because we have a strong economy, the fastest growing in the G7, as I think I may have pointed out uh, to the to the right honourable gentleman last week, and uh, not, not just last year, but this year as well. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister clearly hasn't got the first clue what the Chancellor signed him up to. So let me help him out. His plan is to hand billions of pounds of taxpayers' cash to energy companies and then force families to pay it off in instalments for years to come. If If it sounds like he's forcing people to take out a loan, and it looks like he's forcing people to take out a loan, isn't it just forcing people to take out a loan? We are giving people in uh, in band D council tax, A to D council taxes, council tax houses, council tax valuations across the country. That is 27 million homes. We're giving them the equivalent of a 150 pound rebate off their council. Their offer is for 89 pounds, Mr. Speaker. Ours is faster, more generous, and more effective. And what and what they would do. And what they were doing, and you know, this is a global problem, Mr. Speaker, caused by the spike in, caused by the spike in gas prices. But what they would do is clobber the, the oil and gas companies right now uh, with, a, with, yes, they, with, a, with a tax 
with a tax that would deter investment in gas just when this country needs gas, Mr Speaker, as we transition to green fuel. It would be totally ridiculous and it would raise prices for consumers. Mr Speaker, I was always worried that the Prime Minister wasn't one for reading terms and conditions, didn't understand what the Chancellor signed him up to, and he's just confirmed my worst fears. There is an alternative. Order, order. Can I just say, if you want to carry on, carry on outside. I am not having this perpetual noise coming from the front bench. Secretary of State should know better, and I expect better, and I certainly don't need to put up with it anymore. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, there is an alternative. He could stand up to his Chancellor, tell him to support families rather than loading them with debt. Tell him to look at those bumper profits of oil and gas giants. Shell's profits up £14 billion this year. BP's profits up £9.5 billion this year. Mr Speaker, every second of the day, they've made £750 extra profit from rising prices. At the same time, households are facing an extra £700 a year on their bills. Why on earth is this government forcing loans on British families when they should be asking those with an unexpected windfall to pay a little more to keep household bills down? The Labour plan would clobber supplies. It's an improvement on what you, I thought he stood for, which was nationalising the energy companies. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's dropped that one now. I can't tell whether he's dropped that one or not. But, Mr Speaker, what he would be doing, maybe he has, what he would be doing, Mr Speaker, is hitting the energy companies at precisely the moment when we need to encourage them to go for more gas, Mr Speaker, because we need to transition now to, to cleaner fuels. And what this government is providing is £9.1 billion worth of support. It's more generous than anything Labour is offering. And I just repeat my point. The only reason we can do it is because we kept our economy moving in those hard times when they took the wrong decisions. And we, we came out of lockdown in July, Mr Speaker, when he opposed it last year. And we kept going over Christmas and New Year when they opposed it, Mr Speaker. And that's why we have the fastest growing economy in the G7, not just last year, but this year as well, as I never tire of saying. He can bluff and bluster all he likes. The reality is this. On top of the Tory tax rises, on top of the soaring prices, the loan shark Chancellor and his unwitting sidekick have now kicked up a buy now, pay later scheme. It leaves taxpayers in debt, while oil and gas companies say they've got more money than they know what to do with. It's the same old story with this government. Get in a mess, protect their mates and ask working people to pick up the bill. But isn't he worried that everyone can now see that with this Prime Minister and this Chancellor, it's all one big scam and people across the country are paying a price? Mr Speaker, what they can see is a government that is absolutely committed to doing the right thing for the people of this country and, and taking the taking the tough decisions when Labour is calling for us to take the easy way out and spend more taxpayers' money. And, Mr Speaker, it was, it was this government that decided to keep going in July uh, when he wanted uh, to stay in lockdown. We kept going over Christmas and New Year. And, by the way, Mr Speaker, it, it occurs to me uh, that we also were able to use those Brexit freedoms yes. to deliver the fastest booster world. 
the fastest vaccine route. Yes, Mr Speaker, when he not only voted 48 times, 48 times to go back into the EU, yes he did, uh, but he also voted to stay in the European Medicines Agency, Mr Speaker. Our plan for jobs is working, Mr Speaker. We have record low youth unemployment. Our plan for the NHS and care is working, Mr Speaker. They have no plan at all, Mr Speaker. Our plan for the country is working. We have a great vision, Mr Speaker, to unite and level up across our country. They have no plan whatever, Mr Speaker. And I say to him, plan beats no plan. We have a great plan for our country. They play politics. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Government's £9 billion support to help with rising energy bills is most welcome. But will the Prime Minister assure the people of Anglesey and beyond that it's full steam ahead for new nuclear like Wilbur Noweth and that this Government is moving at pace on the future nuclear enabling fund so that the UK has energy security, jobs and investment right here on these shores? Yes, Mr Speaker. I think I was only last week that I was congratulating her on maybe this Government. On her, on her fantastic advocacy uh, for, uh, for nuclear in Ismon. And uh, don't forget, Mr. Speaker, that Labour allowed a nuclear capacity to decline by 11% on their watch. I don't think maybe you've forgotten that, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, we want to, to get back up there, and that's why there will be at least one big nuclear project this Parliament, at least one, and our nuclear financing bill will support that objective. Leader of the SNP, Ian Black. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I'm sure you and the entire House will want to join me in welcoming the Remembering Srebrenica campaign that launched their yearly events in Parliament last night, and we all must continue to strive for ongoing peace in Bosnia. Um, Mr. Speaker, the flurry of changes in Downing Street over the last few days is a sight to behold. It's amazing how much energy this Prime Minister can sum up when it comes to saving his own skin. (laughs) Whilst he's been busy rearranging the deck chairs, in the real world, people continue to be punished by the Tory cost of living crisis. Yesterday, Open Democracy found that as a direct result of the Chancellor's national insurance hike, nurses will, on average, take a £275 year pay cut in April. That pay cut will hit at the very same moment that soaring energy bills land, bills that have shot up £1,000 in the space of a year. It is a bill they and the rest of the public simply can't afford. So rather than the Prime Minister and the Chancellor scrapping over the Tory leadership, will they do something useful and scrap their regressive hike in national insurance? Mr Speaker, actually it was interesting that the gentleman opposite didn't mention that because I I think everybody can see how vital this is. Uh, We have to clear clear our Covid backlogs, Mr Speaker. We we have six million people uh, already on the waiting list. I'm afraid that that will go up. Uh, and we need to be recruiting the staff now. That's why we're recruiting 50,000 more nurses. There are 11,000 more this year than there were last year. And to, to his point, Mr Speaker, we've increased the starting salary uh, for nurses by 12.8%, in addition to the bursaries and other help that we give them. We value our nurses, we love our NHS, and we're paying for it. In Blackburn. Well, actions speak louder than words, uh, Mr Speaker, and if he wants to reward the nurses, then he needs to pay them. They are the very backbone of the National Health Service, the very people that he's hitting with the pay cut in April. And I shouldn't have to remind the Prime Minister that at the same time that those nurses were going into work every day 
to fight a pandemic. Sixteen different parties were happening in his government. Yep. Yep. The public know what nurses sacrificed during the pandemic, and they know exactly what this rule-breaking Prime Minister and his government were up to. So are the Prime Minister and his Chancellor seriously telling those nurses that the reward for seeing us through the pandemic is a £270 wage cut. Mr Speaker, what we're telling the people of this country now, what fantastic nurses is we back them all the way. And what they want want is more nurses, Mr Speaker. That's why there are record numbers uh, in training. Uh, That's why we have 11,000 more in the NHS now this year than there were last year, Mr Speaker. And and those, I think, are fantastic investments in our country and our society. I must say that I think it's peculiar that, as I understand it, the Scottish Nationalist uh, Party's approach to, to health care is now to, to, to cut off the bottom of doors in, in schools in Scotland in order to improve ventilation. Jane Stevenson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As a proud Wolfronian, I am thrilled that my city is front and centre of the government's levelling up yeah. right yeah. Job seekers of all ages, the skills they need to get into work will be vital to levelling up in Wolverhampton. And City of Wolverhampton College is already doing this at their brand new facility at Bentley Bridge in my constituency. Will the Prime Minister join me in congratulating the college? And also, will he meet with me and my honourable neighbour and friend, um, preferably at Wolverhampton College, so we can discuss how more job seekers can get access to skills and potentially through the City Learning Quarter and that final bit of funding that we need? I, I congratulate my honourable friend for Wolverhampton. She is a modern, truly a modern day a lady, Wolfruna, uh, Mr. Speaker. And uh, I, I, she's completely right that uh, Wolverhampton and, and the black country were at the heart of the first industrial revolution and they're at the heart of the current uh, 21st century green industrial revolution. And I'm very glad that since uh, uh, April 2020 we've seen 125,000 starts to sector based uh, work academy programme, uh, partly at least thanks to her lobbying and her support and uh, wild horses. Mr. Speaker, won't keep me away from Wolverhampton. Speaker, 74-year-old Janet had £25,000 stolen by fraudsters. She told the BBC, "The money was my mum and dad's. I felt I'd let them down." For Janet, and for the four million people who fell victim to fraudsters and online scammers last year, fraud is a crime. So does the Prime Minister understand the hurt he and his ministers cause fraud victims like Janet when they write them out of the crime figures and dismiss fraud as something people don't experience in their day-to-day lives? Mr Speaker, will the Prime Minister correct the record on crime figures and apologise? Mr Speaker, I I direct the House, I direct you, Mr Speaker, to what I've already uh, said to my old friend, the member for for Hartlepool, but uh, he knows very, very well that this government hates uh, fraud, he hates online fraud. Uh, We're tackling tackling the scammers uh, by helping people to come forward uh, when they get uh, an email, when they get uh, duped. Of course we're helping them in any way that we can, Mr Speaker, Uh, but uh, we are also cutting the crime that affects people up and down our country, uh, the uh, the, uh, neighbourhood crime dealing with the county lines drugs gangs, Mr Speaker, and that I think is something he should support as well, and I'm proud that those numbers have come down by 17%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Baldwin. 
Thank you, Mr Speaker. It's wonderful news that the first in-person Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting for four years will take place during Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee. Yeah. Can the Prime Minister ensure that the global learning crisis is high on their agenda? And will he ask his amazing diplomats to ensure that every leader in the Commonwealth signs up to the Kenyatta Declaration on education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thank her very much. I thank my right honourable friend very much. Everything she does to support uh, education for, for girls. I think 12 years of quality education uh, for every girl in the world is probably the single most transformative thing we could do uh, to, uh, to improve uh, the world. And I remember uh, working with my friend Uhuru Kenyatta on the, on the declaration, and we will certainly ensure uh, that everybody of the Commonwealth signs up to it. Ibn Hamilton. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. At the height of the lockdown restrictions in 2020, my constituent, who's worked for the NHS for over 30 years, was diagnosed with a tumour on her spine. Whilst in hospital, undergoing painful surgery, her family obeyed the rules and didn't visit her. Mr Speaker, in the last few minutes, a photo has emerged of the Prime Minister in Downing Street on the 15th of December 2020, surrounded by alcohol, food and people wearing tinsel. It looks a lot like one of the Christmas parties he told us never happened. So for the sake of my constituent and the sacrifices she made, will the Prime Minister be referring this party to the police, as it's not one of the ones already being investigated? He's, I'm afraid. Uh, first of all, uh, first of all, I'm very sorry about his uh, constituent and uh, for the difficulties that she's uh, she's been through. Uh, and I understand I understand uh, very much her feelings, Mr. Speaker. Uh, but in what he has just said, I'm afraid he is completely in error. Mark Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. On the 30th of September 2020, the Prime Minister joined me on a building site in Dudley on what is now the new Institute of Technology, delivering on skills for future jobs and creating opportunities across the black country. Will he join me in congratulating the delivery team who delivered on this amazing project, including stakeholders like Thomas Dudley and Dudley College? And will he actually come and join me in person in doing so in the, at the nearest opportunity? Minister. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I, am, uh, I, I thank my honourable friend. He is a great champion for Dudley and for the, and for, and for the Black Country, uh, Mr. Speaker. And I am delighted to hear that the Black Country and Marches Institute of Technology is now open. And I will certainly keep his, his kind invitation in mind. Ian Paisley. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Prime Minister, the film Belfast contains the immortal words: "If you're not listening." you probably don't understand us. And if you don't understand us, you're probably not listening. The fact of the matter is that the protocol has zero support from unionists. The fact of the matter is, and I hope the Prime Minister is listening to this, that in a divided society, a solution that only attracts the support of one section of that community will never stand. Will the Prime Minister, therefore, take the opportunity to speak to the Irish government, whose ambassador, Daniel Mulhern, is running around Washington, Mulhall, demanding Mulhall, running around Washington, demanding, demanding further implementation of the protocol on the basis that it will bring further checks upon the people of Northern Ireland. Does the Prime Minister accept that he has now the responsibility to bring forward a solution that unites the people 
of Northern Ireland and bring forward a solution that saves the union that has been undermined by it. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Speaker. Well, I agree with him completely that there must be a solution that commands cross-community support. And at the moment, Mr. Speaker, there is no doubt that the balance of the Good Friday Agreement is being upset by the way the protocol is being operated. And we need to fix it, Mr. Speaker. And that's what we're going to do. And if uh, our friends won't agree, then, of course, we will, as I said uh, earlier on, of course, we will implement uh, Article 16. Geoffrey Clifton Brown. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Rather than a compulsory windfall tax so favoured by the opposition, would my right honourable friend take an alternative view? summon a high-level meeting with the oil and gas companies with the aim of a voluntary agreement to bring more oil and gas onto the wholesale market to reduce oil and gas prices to help hard-pressed people deal with the cost of living problems. Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I, would well, I, I thank my rather honourable friend very much for that uh, suggestion, which I think is a, a, an interesting one and an ingenious one. Uh, the oil and gas companies uh, create uh, hundreds of thousands of jobs uh, in, in the UK, and uh, they are very, very important to our economy. Uh, I will do what I can uh, to, to, to take forward his request for a meeting with them. But I just remind him, I remind the House, that we have frozen fuel duty, Mr Speaker, uh, 12 years in a row, uh, saving people £15 uh, in their, in their uh, cost of filling up their tanks uh, compared to 2010. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I understand the Prime Minister has been heard singing I Will Survive in recent days. I would suggest that he would be better off singing Careless Whisper instead, because, Mr Speaker, in 2017, Nazanin Zaghari Radcliffe was condemned to an extended prison sentence in Iran because of the careless words of this Prime Minister. Now, in 2022, this week, my friend, the Leader of the Opposition, was hounded by thugs outside this Parliament because of the careless, disgraceful words of this Prime Minister. So will the Prime Minister do the decent thing? Will he reconsider his words, repent and resign? Mr Speaker, I, I don't think that she should either let the thugs and yobs who uh, bullied and uh, harassed uh, the Right Honourable Gentleman off the hook any more, because they are culpable, any more than she should let the Iranian government off the hook, Mr Speaker, because they are culpable. The whole fun. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Uh, since 2017, referrals for children's mental health has gone up by uh, 60%. Eating disorders amongst young girls have gone up by 400% since lockdown. And we know that social media companies play a huge part in this. Given that social media platforms like TikTok are providing crack for kids in terms of adult content, negative imagery and addictive algorithms, will my right honourable friend consider implementing a 2% levy on social media companies, which would raise £100 million to fund mental health resilience programmes for children? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I know my right honourable friend has campaigned on this issue uh, assiduously, and he's quite right about the psychological uh, damage that uh, social media can do. And, uh, and I've heard what he's had to say recently about TikTok. Uh, we will see what we can do uh, to address all these issues in the forthcoming Online Harms Bill. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, Radford is UK's youngest city and has the 10th largest city economy with a GDP of £11.6 billion and is bidding to be the capital of culture. 
Now it comes out that no detailed analysis of the long-term economic benefits of investing in Bradford and the North through the integrated rail plan was carried out. This government failure has robbed Bradford of £30 billion exactly. worth yeah. of growth yeah. over the next 10 years. Exactly. When is the Prime Minister going to match action to rhetoric and on levelling up and give Bradford the investment it deserves? Yeah. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I'm afraid that uh, uh, we're, she's, she's wrong in what she says because we're not only investing massively in, in Yorkshire, uh, th- th- investing in police in Yorkshire, 640 more uh, police, investing in education, uh, but uh, she's misunderstood uh, what we said at the time of the £96 billion integrated rail plan. Uh, because what we are saying is that we, are, we will look at ways in which we can ensure that we protract the, the eastern leg of, of high-speed rail uh, 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 from from north of Birmingham on the eastern leg to Bradford. What we're not doing is what we're not doing is coming up with a scheme uh, before we've decided exactly what to do and how to fund it. But we are not ruling it out, Mr. Speaker. Stuart Anderson, Mr. Speaker. I served my country with pride in the Royal Green Jackets. I will always be a rifleman and a veteran, and I welcome the veteran strategy the Prime Minister has just brought out. But I ask the Prime Minister if veterans will always be at the heart of this government's strategy and everything can be done to see they always get what they need and are honoured. Yes, Mr Speaker, that's why we set up an office for for veterans. That's why uh, we've ensured that veterans uh, get preferential treatment on uh, public transport. One of the first things I did uh, when uh, I became Prime Minister, Mr Speaker, and it's why we make sure that veterans receive receive particular support and encouragement in employment. We encourage employers to take on veterans as well. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In the panicked Downing Street staffing reshuffle at the weekend, the Prime Minister appointed to a senior role a man who recently lobbied the government on behalf of Huawei Technologies, a hostile state vendor that this House legislated to exclude entirely from our country's 5G networks. Given the number 10 Director of Communications has, by definition, access to some of the most sensitive government information, can the Prime Minister tell the House whether Mr Harry's present role requires enhanced developed vetting and strap clearance and whether he has gone through the necessary checks to provide for that level of clearance before he took up his post. A curious question to come from uh, the benches that contain someone who took, I think, £586,000 from the Chinese government to support uh, his office. Uh, But, Mr Speaker, what what I can... what I, can tell that, what I can tell him is that uh, this government took the brave and necessary step of making sure that we excluded, we excluded uh, Huawei from our critical national infrastructure, and that, Mr Speaker, was the right thing to do, whatever he said. Harper. Thank you very much, uh, Mr Speaker. Can I ask the Prime Minister a question about Sue Gray's report? I asked him... Well, Colleagues may groan. I'm only asking this question because I asked the Prime Minister last week and I didn't get a straight answer. Um, it's, important, it's important because it's about those who make the law obeying the law. The Prime, Minister, the Prime Minister wants to be judged on the facts, and that's right. So can I ask him to commit at the dispatch box that upon conclusion of the Metropolitan Police investigation... Will he ensure that Sue Gray's final report is published immediately and in full? 
Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, with great respect to my right honourable friend, I do believe I answered that last Monday, but I, uh, or whenever it was, possibly last Wednesday as well, but I will repeat for the benefit of, of the House that as soon as all the uh, inquiries are concluded, I will uh, immediately publish in full whatever Sue Gray gives me. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I understand that the UK Government signed an agreement with the Iranian authorities last summer that would have resulted in the payment of the £400 million that we owe Iran and the release of my constituent, Nazanin Zaghari Radcliffe. That agreement fell through and the debt still hasn't been paid. Mr Speaker, this case urgently needs the Prime Minister's attention and personal intervention. So could I ask the Prime Minister, will he meet personally with me and with Richard Radcliffe? I don't want to meet his colleagues. I want to meet with him personally to find out why the agreement fell through and why Nazanin Zaghari Radcliffe still isn't home after six long years. I thank her very much. I, th- I thank her also, by the way, for all the hard work she does on behalf of, uh, of Nazanin. Uh, we remain committed to securing the release of Nazanin and all the very difficult consular cases that we have uh, in, in Iran. Uh, as she knows, the IMS debt is, uh, is difficult to, uh, to settle and to, and to square away for all sorts of, uh, of, of reasons uh, to do with sanctions, uh, but we will continue to work on it, and I will certainly make sure uh, that we have another meeting with, uh, with Richard Ratcliffe in due course. Natalie Mr Speaker, Dover is once again beset by miles of traffic jams along the motorways, affecting residents and local businesses alike. Not because of Brexit, but because of Brussels bureaucracy and red tape. Will my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, meet with me to discuss how we can invest in our local roads, in the M2, in the M20 and the Dover Tap to unclog that road once and for all, and also to get rid of the unnecessary red tape for a trading global Britain? Yes, Mr Speaker, she's absolutely right in what she, uh, she, what she says. As the economy rebounds, uh, we're seeing all sorts of pressures, and we, but we do need to make sure that we clear uh, bottlenecks everywhere in our system, and that's what we'll do. Gerald Jones. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'd like to refer to the Prime Minister's answer to my honourable friend member for Leeds North East. The photograph referred to is all over social media. Everybody can see the photo. The Prime Minister is in the photo. So can I ask him again, will he refer to the the matter to the police? Because this is not one of the parties already being investigated by the Metropolitan Police. That's precisely the point, Mr Speaker. Uh, It already has been. uh, It it already has been. That that event already has been submitted for investigation. That ends Prime Minister's questions.